This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hello everyone, it's your favourite podcast host here, Joe Redman, just letting you know that the TalkSport Fan Network is now proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor. With mixed market bet builders, in-play betting and a selection of welcome offers, make sure your Premier League is spent with BetVictor's premier betting app. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. This episode is brought to you by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club is fighting for a chance at promotion. These two Hollywood stars lead a team in the midst of history in the making, while dedicated staff and supporters hold on to a dream of returning the team and this working-class town in Wales to glory. FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres September 12th on FX. Stream on Hulu. Back for Arfield. What a volley! Scott Arfield! He's been threatening that recently. And all the Burnley players run to the Darwin end. Oh, what a goal! What a goal from Robbie Blake! Burnley's first goal in the Premier League is something very, very special. Wade Elliott has that change of pace and he's got away from Montgomery. It's the path of McCann and the follow-up plays the net. What a strike from Wade Elliott. A bolt from the Claret and Blue. Oh, goodness me! What a goal from Patterson! If that is to be the one that takes them to Wembley, you cannot argue with that. Pure quality. I mean, if there's any justice in the world, 
Burnley would surely score from this corner. Swung right in there. Ball in there. Yeah! Michael Kellan! Oh, that's justice! That is justice at the Amex Stadium! Burnley are level and deserve to be! Hello everybody and welcome back to the latest episode of the Turfcast podcast pre-game show with me, Joe Redmond, ahead of this weekend's game against Reading. A bit of a surprise package in the championship so far this season, Reading. I was one of the ones that predicted them to go down. I'll fully admit that now before we get the Reading guest on. Um, not only them, I predict, who else did I predict that are doing quite well? Birmingham, they're doing quite well. I think my three to go down was Reading, Birmingham and Blackpool. I think I couldn't have been any more wrong, could I? Um, to be fair. Who knows? One of them might slip into it just to save me a bit of face. But uh, so far, I've been completely wrong. But yeah, obviously, um, just coming, uh, recording this the day after the Norwich game. I say the day after. It's literally two minutes to midnight. That's how dedicated I am to you lot. I'm recording this very late. Um, but yeah, fantastic first half performance. Absolutely brilliant. I've said it all in the 60-second review, I know, but I'll just quickly go over it again. Zorore. My God, I love him. I absolutely love him. He was fantastic against Sunderland, fantastic again last night. Um, obviously, the main worry this weekend is is Jack Cork being banned. That does bring my confidence levels down a little bit for this weekend. Uh, Jack Cork is instrumental in what we do at Burnley. Uh, doesn't get anywhere near enough credit um, for, the, for, for the job that he does, although he did get man of the match got the supporters man of the match uh, against Norwich of course we all know that Zorori uh, got the man of the match on Sky but yeah fantastic um and one thing I do want to point out as well um company fair play to him I think he's learning um because so many times we've we've uh just sat back invited the pressure and conceded late on we all know how frustrating that's been this season and we won't go over it too much because it's been so annoying but uh, he brought Charlie Taylor on late on didn't he went five at the back um, kind, kind of worked because we won the game but it kind of didn't as well if you see my point because obviously Pukki still got that chance but great save from Jorich. Um but he obviously brought it on to try and shore up the defence um, and try and uh, eradicate any 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 uh, sort of like last minute equalisers any mistakes but they still managed to get in but big shout out to, to Mjoric you know, for that gets a few fans off Mjoric's back because we all know some of the stick that he's been getting um, so far this season but anyway it's time to look forward instead of looking back so that gives me great pleasure to bring our latest guest and it's alex from the elm park royals how you doing mate i'm good as you say it's quite late at night but dedication here to the uh championship preview calls right yeah the us podcasters mate mental absolutely mental um but it's the only time that me and alex can do it so we're going to do it for you nonetheless even if i am in a bit of trouble with the missus for doing this so late but we crack on we crack on um alex talk to me about your season so far then because as mentioned a lot of people including myself uh predicted reading to either struggle or get relegated but you know you were top of the table at one point i think you know you've been sniffing around the top two for quite a while until until recently because you've lost i think you lost three in a row didn't you uh just beat bristol city i think at the weekend um so maybe your t- form's gonna bounce back a little bit but yeah talk to me about your season so far yeah i mean it's been a, it's been a pleasure to come on all these opposition uh podcasts so far this season because every single time we've been on one the first thing that someone said is, ah, oh, predicted Reading to get relegated and finish bottom <laughs> of the table. So, so far, it's been an absolute pleasure to come onto these podcasts because obviously the season's gone kind of as well as we ever could have hoped for, given the chaos and the mayhem which Reading kind of found themselves in in, in pre-season with, I think it was like five senior players under contract coming into like the end of last season for this year and basically having to make a squad from absolutely nothing. Yeah. 
we've done a really good job so far of basically being able to grind out games and not give up many big chances and then score on a counter-attack or score from a set piece. So far, it seems to be working. Uh, we have had some disappointing moments, like we got beat at Rotherham 4-0. Joe Lumley just had a complete meltdown and a nightmare, um, but we move on from that one. We don't talk about it anymore. Um, we got beat 4-0 at Sheffield United, who are obviously a decent side. And then, as you say, we lost three in a row recently. And it was difficult, that that three in a row. We, we lost the first one was against QPR and we lost in the last minute. We played awfully against West Brom the game after they sacked Steve Bruce. And I don't know whether that was a manager like bounce or yeah. just them being delighted to get rid of Steve Bruce, but we were dreadful. And then we went 2-0 up away to Swansea and threw it away 3-2. But again, it was a really poor performance. So it was one where it was disappointing because we probably could have picked up more points during those three games. And maybe we would be sitting in the top six at this point. However, the one thing that really kind of has defined Reading this season is when we have lost games or we've put in a bad performance, we have generally bounced back really well um, and put in a decent performance like next time out. And that's kind of what happened at the weekend against Bristol City. We just... We dominated the game. I, I don't think Joe Lumley made a save, and, and that's happened a few times this season. He just hasn't had a, a shot to, to actually try and stop. We won 2-0. The second goal came really late on. It was a really good counter-attack, uh, probably from two of the oldest strikers in the in the league, in Shane Long and Andy Carroll. I think they must have a combined age of about 70. But it was a really decent counter-attack. We won 2-0, and Bristol were... It's not at the races and it's difficult to see us slipping too far down the table when we come up against teams like Bristol or uh, I'm trying to think of another example of a team that we've beaten quite comfortably. Blackburn would beat very comfortably earlier on in the season, but they are obviously near the top of the table. So yeah, it's been the start to the season and it it feels like it should have dropped away by this point, but it just hasn't yet, which is great. So what do you think is different then to, to, to pre-season? Like you said, you're, you're in this big mess. People were predicting you to go down. I presume your own fan base weren't really confident for the season upcoming with, with, the, with the mess that you've just explained. So what's different? Why do you think you've been able to, to, to go on this decent run and, and stabilise yourselves in, in the Championship? There's, there's probably two main reasons, I think. One is the recruitment has been relatively good. We've got Mark Bowen, who was our manager a few years ago, and he's coming as kind of director of football and he's done a really good job with the deals that we've managed to get in. Jeff Hendrick is a decent championship player. Joe Lumley is a decent championship player. We've got lots of players who've come in who've played at this level and are not necessarily world beaters, but they are committed. They will put 100% effort in and they will run their socks off every week to actually you know, put um, put a result on the field. That's, that's one reason. Um, and I think the second reason is as weird as it probably sounds to any kind of opposition fan, Paul Ince has done a reasonably good job in making us very organised at the back. We don't give up many big chances to, to teams. Although we have conceded a lot of goals, we don't tend we, we tend to do it in like bunches. Um, and the, the five at the back system that he's implemented this season has worked really well, meaning that we've kind of got the best out of some of our some of our defenders and Sam Hutchinson, who we signed in summer, has been like a, you know, an absolutely fantastic signing for for us. And 
yeah, the five at the back system that Paulins has implemented has just really kind of given us a solid base. And it means that we don't ever look like we're going to just get completely blown out of games too often. Yeah, fair enough. Um, you mentioned then you don't see yourselves dropping too far down the league now because you, you you know you're playing against teams like Bristol City that you're beating comfortably. You mentioned beating Blackburn quite comfortably, which obviously I think they are third in the league at the minute. Um, weird side nonetheless because they do tend to lose games, but they also win games. But you know we'll find out um, how weird they are uh, in just a few weeks, Clarets. But um, what's your what's your ambitions now for the season? Then do you think you can? maintain this and maybe push on for uh you know just sneak into six and then and then it's a lottery or, or are you just happy to to get to 40 points still and, and stay up once we get to 50 points i don't care if the season just finishes, yeah it's 50 in the championship isn't it yeah sorry 50, 50, 50 points. points yeah yeah i know you've had too long in <laughs> premier league here where it's 40 points yeah, <laughs> yeah. 50 points. get to 50 points uh we're halfway there now we're after 16 games if we get to 50 points we finish 21st i really don't care how the rest of the season goes we can finish 21st 15th, 9th, whatever. It really doesn't bother me. Uh, anything after like 21st is a bonus, really. Um, and I think maybe some of the fan base kind of had a, there was a little bit of a rise in expectations, um, maybe at the start of October when we were sitting second, third after 12, 11, 12 games. Mm. And to be honest, the last four games where we've lost three of them, I think fans might have had a little bit of a reality check where potentially we're maybe not quite as strong as as, as the table suggested after 10 or 11 games where we were sitting in the top two and and actually it's still going to be a really good season if we if we end up finishing in you know mid table somewhere that's a fantastic effort for where we would have predicted ourselves to see this finishing pre-season so I'm still just kind of focused on seeing us stay up but that being said, I don't see us being dragged into a relegation battle at the moment. No, fair enough. Um, I want to talk to you about a couple of your players. One of them you mentioned already used to play for Burnley, of course, Jeff Hendrick. Very good, well, good player at this level. Um, I think for, it, it frustrated quite a lot of Burnley fans because the amount of times that we counter-attack and it'd be so ridiculously slow on the ball. I don't know how you how you boys are finding him, but this obviously this was in the Premier League. I think I think we signed him when we were in the Championship. I think no, he only played for us ever in the Premier League. But um, how's he getting on at the Medeska? I would say he's probably been, although he's a definitely a Championship player, he's one of the players who stands out for not standing out. Does that make sense? He yeah, doesn't he's kind of like a Jack Cork figure for you guys. He. He does everything, but he doesn't really do anything at the same time. It's a very strange, like, watch of, of Jeff yeah. Hendrick. Um, it's you don't really ever see him necessarily win games for you, but you also don't see him lose games. Um, so it's sometimes difficult to kind of know exactly what his role is meant to be on the field. Um, he's had a couple of good games in his second half against Bristol City last weekend. It was probably probably his best 45 minutes, I think, so far for us. Uh, he was really good in the second half, he kind of put himself about a lot and. He got the kind of pre-assist, as it were, for the, for the counter-attack goal. Um, and he does have games where he looks fantastic and he's one of our best players. But then also he'll then have three games where the game's just completely passing by. Yeah. And it, it feels like he's a little bit of a passenger. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I think pretty much 90% of the games in the Premier League just pretty much passed him by. But then every now and then, he'd have a good game. I don't know if he's done it for you as well, but he'd always randomly pop up with a worldie out of nowhere like every 15, 20 games. Yeah, the goal he scored against West Brom, he hit it with the outside of his foot. Uh, really, it was a really weird 
angle for him to hit it at. And he should have, like, if you were looking at it, you would have expected him to hit it on his left foot with his mm. instep. And instead, he's kind of stepped through it with his outside of his right foot and managed to put it, like, in the near post past the keeper. It was a fantastic goal. And he's tried it a couple of times. I'm not quite sure. I've never seen a player really try it more than once or twice. And I've seen him try it a few times now. So he's definitely kind of, must think he's got it in his locker to be able to do that. Yeah, I remember him scoring an absolute worldie against Bournemouth. Uh, and there were some more in there as well, uh, playing for Burnley. Um, another one of your players I want to talk about is Andy Carroll. Now, the last time Andy Carroll was at Burnley, um, I think he was at West Brom. I can't remember who he was playing for, but he elbowed Ben Mee in the back of the head, got sent off straight red, um, got quite a bit of stick off the Burnley vans for it. But um, it worries me a little bit, does does Andy Carroll? Um, as I, we've obviously we've just done your pre-game show on your channel, um, and I was saying to you then, like it worries me because he's gonna he's not he's gonna rough up a few feathers, not necessarily commit fouls, but you know what he's like. He's gonna be all elbows and things like that. Um, and our centre backs are young lads, so I don't think they'll have come up against many players like this um, in their short career. So it does worry me a little bit. But he's had a good season, hasn't he, Andy Carroll in, in the Championship for you? I think he's got a couple of goals. Yeah, I think he's scored uh, two or three so far um in in six or seven appearances it's a difficult one with Andy Carroll because we we've kind of got I think we've got four or five strikers now who all are playing in almost rotation we've got Yaku Mato, yeah. we've got Luke Shaw we've got Shane Long who's fit again now we've got Andy Carroll uh Tom Ince has played up front a few times this season as part of the strike force so although Andy Carroll is definitely like an asset to have I don't necessarily think he's way and above all of our other strikers. Um, however, in a game like Burnley on Saturday, where he is, well, the team is going to come up against maybe a less experienced defence, Carroll is maybe the sort of player that I would want there. Um, yeah. Because you can almost rely on him winning 80% of his headers and being able to hold the ball up and flick the ball on to, to like on runners on, on the uh, wings. And that's mainly what he's been used for so far. Um, although he scored a, like a counter-attacking goal against Bristol City, it's his role generally has been when he's been on the field to try and win the long ball and win the first ball and play it on to somebody, not necessarily to to utilise him as a main striker on his own up front. Yeah, fair enough. If it's a draw, we should just get Andy Carroll and Ashley Barnes to have a fight in the centre and see who wins that. And whoever wins that gets the three points. Last man standing. I don't expect yeah. Andy Carroll to lose that. I'm afraid. So that's it's one of the, I, th- I, th- I think. I think Burnley fans are all back. Back Barnsley on that one. The absolute ultimate shit house. I think Barnsley had bite his ear off before he um, before he fell to the ground. Um, but uh, you mentioned a few other players as well. Obviously Tom Ince, um, uh, Jow, and things like that. Who, who should we be looking out for then? Then mainly, who are your better players? The ones that we should should be looking out for uh, in the game. Um, it's a difficult one to know who's going to start for us, really, because we've rotated, like I said, we've rotated the striking options a few times. But if Jao starts and he plays well, definitely is going to be like a main main man of the game, if he plays well. But the main criticism of Reading fans this season is that he's been so inconsistent and he gets accused of being lazy quite often. So whether he'll start or not is, is another question. Uh, Tom Ince, on the other hand, 100% will start this weekend. And... It has the work rate of just like I've just never seen anybody put in as much effort as he does on a football field. So Tom Ince is one that definitely Burnley fans will need to look out for. He'll probably play in the central midfield free, sort of mm. behind the strikers, sort of not, depending on how we line up. Um, 
so I would imagine that yeah, Tomins will be one which I'm expecting will will have a big game if we're to get anything out of it. Um, I think outside of that, the the defence is probably where I would kind of expect to see some of our better performances on on Saturday. Junior Hoylett's been really good for us this season. He's played at wing back, even though he's primarily a winger in his career. And he's had a really good season. He's been playing at right wing back. And I would probably expect him to, to remain at right wing back uh, this Saturday, despite the fact that Andy Yeardham was back. I think he'll go back to, to centre-back. And Junior Hoylett will, will get another opportunity at right wing back. And he's really been a key component of when we've got the ball going forwards and creating chances. So I'd expect, yeah, Junior Hoylett and Tom Ince are the two that I would be looking out for and then Lucas Shaw if he starts. But I think that one might be remain to be seen. Yeah, fair enough. I forgot Hoylett played for you, boys. I think he'll, he'll get some stick at the weekend, obviously, with his, with his, uh, his past teams, as will Paul Ince as well. As will Paul Ince, as will Andy Carroll. I think we get every every ground we go to at the minute, there seems to be one player or, or Paul Ince who gets it off stick. So I yeah, think Paul Ince had a lot of clubs on it. Blackpool and Tom Ince and Obviously, Paul Ince yeah. as well just got absolute slaughtered and then played Millwall away and they got the same same deal there and going to come to Burnley and they'll get the same. Nobody likes them, um, but <laughs> I think it kind of adds to the it adds to the enjoyment of Reading fans when we do end up picking up points because it's one of the things that you've seen this season from us is that we do we do like to wind teams up, we waste time, we work and. I think the Reading fans are all very kind of accommodating, but none of us really care if we waste time at the moment and. You see the players kind of like shit housing on the floor and wasting time with yeah. goal kicks. It's just kind of they're going to do what they're going to do to try and win points, and Reading fans have sort of embraced it. Yeah, well, after the last nine years, we can't really complain if somebody does it to us. Um, talk to me about your style of play as well. There, you mentioned you, you know, you like to shit house and things like that, waste a bit of time. But what actually style of football do you play? What, what what's the best way to describe your style on the Paulins? A low block, direct football. Dash. Uh, like there isn't really a there isn't really a pretty way to describe it. We'll we'll be playing five at the back, three centre backs who will basically will try and force Burnley to go wide a lot and put the ball in, mm. and hope that our three centre backs in McIntyre, Holmes, and probably Yeardom on Saturday, I would imagine, will be able to win the majority of the balls and and get them clear. Um, going forwards, we rely a lot on the two wing backs. Um, to be able to to get up and down a lot. So you'll see probably, I would imagine it will be Babel Rahman at left back and then Junior Hoyle at right back. And we'll we'll rely on them to get up and down a lot and then be putting balls into the centre. Um, however, we've only scored once from open play so far away from home this season. Um, we've had chances to score, but we, we're not mm. that clinical. Um so despite the fact that we've won a few games away from home, I think we've won two away from home so far this season, we've only scored one from open play. And we will rely on set pieces. So at corners, we do look strong. I think, I, I want to say it's something like eight goals out of the 19 we've scored, or seven out of 19 have been set pieces or penalties so far. So we'll rely on set pieces to create chances mainly. Um, I'm not sure we'll create a huge ton from open play, but we'll we'll rely on the wingers to kind of push on and, and win corners for us. 
Yeah, that's interesting that because you mentioned there you're trying forces to get out wide. It tends to be our thing at the minute under company that we don't really put crosses in. We'll get out wide and then we'll cut back inside and try and play our, our way back in. So if you are forcing us out wide and you do that successfully and we have to put crosses in, we may well struggle. We have scored a couple of goals by putting crosses in this season though. Um, we've got a couple against Sunderland actually and, and the winner against Bristol City, Jay's header. Um so that's going to be interesting. And and you said that you're strong with set pieces. Well, that actually worries me quite slightly because I don't know if that stat backs, any stats are going to back me up, but I kind of feel like we're pretty weak at set pieces or defending them anyway. We've, we're good at going forwards with set pieces. I'm not necessarily sure we're good at defending set pieces. We're a very just set piece heavy team. I think we've conceded like the third most goals from set pieces so far, but we've also got the second most scored. So a lot of our games come down to set pieces. Yeah, and fair enough. I also, a lot sorry, of our players on. are. That is one thing that really uh, kind of like was evident in the recruitment in summer. All of our players are massive. Nabi Sar yeah. is six six. Loom is six five. Holmes, who we didn't recruit but was playing here last year, I think he's six three. Uh, Andy Carroll is huge. Like we don't have small players, particularly at the moment in the squad. So. It, it seems like we've basically gone out and tried to build a very, very physical, very big side and utilise set pieces to our advantage at that point. Yeah, yeah honestly, to be honest, you, you, the more and more I talk to you, we're sounding more and you, sorry, you're sounding more and more like Burnley on the dash, you know, which <clears throat> worked very, very well. So you could, if it works for you, then fair play. You can only respect what Dash did for Burnley. And in so far, obviously, as you say, he's doing a very good good job at Reading so far um, this this season. Uh, I do want to talk to you about Burnley and get your thoughts on Burnley. Something I like to do because uh, obviously in the summer, massive change at the club. Sean Dash uh, was here for nine and a half years. Um, got rid of him, brought Jackson in, tried to stay up, just about failed. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, and then went in a completely different direction and got an up and coming. Uh, manager uh, from a different country who is obviously uh, a big name in England, uh, across Europe and pretty much the world um, and completely changed the style of play. Lost 13 players but brought 16, recruited very well, got the likes of Nathan Teller who, who, who as you said on your show, should really be in the Premier League. Um, up and coming defenders like Edward Bellis and Bayer um, brought players in for, for what seems ridiculously cheap money for, for Zorori and, and Vitinho and Muric. Um so what are your thoughts on what Burnley are, sort of like, are trying to do? What, what what they're trying to sort of like do with the complete style of change? And, and do you think that they've done it well? I mean, it's exciting, isn't it? It's exciting to watch that kind of yeah. football and, and watch an attacking side with young players who you've gone out and signed in the on the promise of like being able to play possession style, quick football going forwards. Um, is it not only is exciting, but it's it's working as well as you can like you guys are top of the table. What have you lost one game so far? I think your top scorers as well. There's not really many downsides so far from what I can see, and it's not been done in a way that has just been done by signing the best players in the championship of the last two or three years, like some teams have done in the past to try and get themselves promoted. But it's been done in a way where you've gone out and signed players who probably have more resale value if they have a really good season. Yeah. If you have a really good season and you don't get promoted this year, is someone like Zorori going to be worth the same amount he was pre-season? No, he's going to be worth four times as much if he gets sold to a Premier League team. So it seems like a really sensible strategy, um, the way that Burnley have kind of set themselves up this season. The fact that it's working is obviously, it's not bonus, but it's, 
it's just great news that it's also working at the same time as it's uh, going to be a very sustainable model if it if it kind of carries on and the recruitment is good going forward so yeah i've watched i think i've watched two or three burnley games so far and it's just they're very exciting to watch i find you know the the recruitment's been really good i think matson's a really good left back you've obviously still got some decent um premier league like experience there and and i think jay rodriguez is still kind of banging them in i think he's top scorer or second top scorer joint joint top i think he went last night yeah brown hill played a decent (laughs) amount of, of games in the in the premier league um jack cork played a decent amount of games in the premier league even though he's suspended uh for the weekend but there's a really good blend like uh, you know i think if you were to try and pick a club at the moment in the championship who you know if you didn't support a club and you wanted to pick one burnley would be right up there in terms of of clubs that you'd want to pick to to follow at the moment yeah, fair enough. Honestly, that's probably the nicest thing anyone's ever said about Burnley on this podcast. I, for so long I've been doing these Premier League podcasts that people just don't care about as the haters they want us relegated. Um, but yeah, lovely words there. Thank you, mate. Um, let's get into the game, though. Um, sounds to me, and forgive me if I'm wrong, that you're going to try and turn this into a bit of a battle. Not, <clears throat> excuse me, not necessarily drag us down to your level, because that's that's not what I mean, that's harsh, but sort of like playing a way that suits you rather than in a way that suits us. Because if the game is open, free-flowing, attacking... Um, I think there's only going to be one winner on that Apollo Beals, but if we turn it into sort of like a, um, a, a sort of like a, a defensive game, a battle, you know, a, a few, a few, not necessarily fouls, because you know we can't complain. We did it for so long, but you know, a few, a few rough tackles, you know, maybe stick one on Zorori early on that sort of way, and and then try and hit us on the break or or, or with set pieces. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I think so. I think the only way that Reading really pick up points in these kind of games is making it into a, into a slog and into a, a bit of a fight, really. Um, when you look at the games that we've lost so far this season heavily, it has been against the teams who are in like good footballing sides. Like, hopefully that kind of comes across well. Um, the teams that want to keep the ball, keep possession, those are the teams really who've, who've kind of just completely outplayed us and not let us get into the game. So Swansea just completely outplayed us and beat us. Sunderland did the same, put high pressure onto us and, and beat us very comfortably. Sheffield United. And it's, it's difficult to, to think that Burnley are any different to, to those kind of styles of team, particularly currently. Um, and if anything, I think they're probably better at it as well. Um, so it's difficult to see us being able to kind of play at the same level as Burnley uh, and make it into a, a fair fight, as it were. So I would imagine, again, without, I guess, dragging us down, I don't want to think that we'll bring you down to our level but I think we have to do something in terms of, of making the game a, a slow paced game we can't let you guys keep the ball for 90 minutes sit outside our area we can't drop too deep um, so I'm hoping that we'll put on a lot of kind of high press and and fingers crossed that the um, the, the Burnley players won't be able to just play through us like some of the teams have this season however if you do score first I'm, I'm a, like especially if it's early I'm quite concerned that we'll just get torn to shreds. Yeah, that's interesting that you mentioned how pressed there because I think that's how we absolutely destroyed Swansea. They just they just pressed us really high and then we passed it round them. But there has been games where the first half in Sunderland, for example, they put the high press on us and we struggled there. But that was because Jack Court wasn't there, and again, he's not going to be there at the weekend. Um, so different permutations, different sort of things could happen. Um, what's your prediction then for the game? Uh 
it, it's either one-one or four-nil Burnley. Enough, yeah. nothing in between. I'm gonna go one-one because it's a preview, and no one's gonna come back at me for it if I'm wrong. So I'll say one-one. Why not? I'll be optimistic. Um, but if Burnley do win, I think Burnley will win comfortably. I don't see it being tight if Burnley do win. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, he doesn't think it'll be tight. I think it might be tight. Um, I'm going. I'm going two-one. I think. Like, I think you'll turn it into an absolute slog, and and I think you're the first team that's that we've played this season that will do it. So I'm not sure our our inexperience centre backs and some of the younger lads will be used to this sort of game. Um, I am a little bit worried about Andy Carroll. I think if you score, it could be in with a towering header, um, something like that from a set piece, because I feel like we've struggled with set pieces. We've, struck, we've definitely struggled with crosses into the box, I know that much, um, whether it's through a counter-attack or a set piece. I know Preston scored from a, from a corner, I think, um, a few, well, about a couple of months ago, that now, isn't it, to be fair? Um, but yeah, I'm thinking it's going to be tight. I think you're going to turn it into a slog. It's probably going to be nil-nil at half-time and then, and then, you know, maybe the second half we'll, we'll see some goals. But finally, before we wrap up, mate, because that's pretty much it, do you want to let everyone know where they can find you and listen or watch your content? Yeah, we're uh, we're at Elm Park Rules um, on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and elmparkrules.com. Got a preview show with Joe just about to go up, or I don't know when this is going to go up, but we've got a preview show which is going to go up on Thursday evening, um, which Joe discusses Burnley. So if you fancy listening to that, we'll be on Apple and Spotify and all your kind of regular podcast platforms. Yeah, so if you've just watched half an hour of this or listened to half an hour of this and you've still got a bit of spare time, get over to Elm Park Royals and you can watch the exact same show, but opposite, where we talk about Reading and Burnley rather than Burnley and Reading. But thank you for coming on, mate. It's been a pleasure having you on, Alex. Um, a great podcast I have listened and watched before. Um, so I do appreciate you coming on and I appreciate you coming on so late as well because as I said earlier just as we started it was five to midnight it's now half past midnight so me and Alex are knackered we're going to go to bed thanks for not together not there's anything wrong no. with that we're not together we're going to go to different beds at different parts of the country uh, but thanks for coming on mate it's been a pleasure and I'm sure we'll get you on later in the season when the reverse fixtures on nice one cheers good luck for the rest of the season just not for Saturday but... yeah <laughs> cheers mate Social Podcast Network. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates have already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Ornament delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.